Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We've spoken today already about our upcoming Easter services, and of course Easter Sunday is next Sunday. We've mentioned that this is the beginning of Holy Week, and the reality of a resurrected Savior is that we celebrate Easter each and every day. We celebrate a living Savior each Sunday that we gather here in worship. And if that's the case, why then do we mark Easter Sunday, Holy Week, Good Friday, and set them apart, designating them on the Christian calendar? Well, I think it's important that we do that because uh, this is a great opportunity for us to recalibrate our souls, if you will, to once again find our spiritual north. Today... As we come to the beginning of Holy Week, we share in the Lord's Supper together. A sacred memorial given by Christ to his church to remember his life and his death, his resurrection. The Apostle Paul gives instructions regarding this sacred supper to the believers in Corinth in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 11, he writes to them about this very specific uh, event and he tells them in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six that as they share in this supper together, that they are proclaiming his death. They're preaching the gospel, if you will, of Jesus Christ. As they distribute these elements, as they remind themselves of the life and death of Jesus. We do this today to remind ourselves of the gospel, to recalibrate our souls to remind ourselves of Jesus once more. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 10 through 31 the apostle Paul begins writing to the church at Corinth reminding them of the gospel because this is what they desperately needed. There was a lot that was taking place in this church that wasn't right and needed to be set straight. They were, as some have described them, a very troubled church. There were divisions. There was sexual immorality. There were inappropriate lawsuits, the improper exercising of spiritual gifts, and dangerous stances on some particular doctrines. At the heart of it all, they were lacking in spiritual maturity. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that he could not address them as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, infants in Christ who were not ready for solid food. He had to get them back on the right track, going down the right path. How would he do that? The answer is the gospel. The gospel. 
Today we have the opportunity to preach the gospel to ourselves. And I want us to see why that's so, so important. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 10. I'm going to read and you follow along and hear the word of God this morning. The Apostle Paul writes, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs. And Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the, in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And may the Lord bless this morning the reading and the preaching of his word. My aim from this passage Today is to simply prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper together. As we do so, we are proclaiming his death. We are preaching the gospel, or what Paul would describe here as the word of the cross in 1 Corinthians 1, 18. He would say that that preaching of the cross, the preaching of the gospel, it is the power of God toward us. A little further into the chapter, Paul would tell us that it is Christ 
Verse 24, who is the power of God. There's a connection. There's a relation. Christ is the gospel. Christ is the good news. Christ is the power of God working toward us. And today as we share in this sacred supper, it is he that we are proclaiming. These elements remind us of his life and his death, sacrifice and the substitute that he became for us. We're reminding ourselves of the gospel this morning because that's really what it is all about. The gospel is to be central in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. The gospel today is not simply a message for unbelievers. The gospel is not just the diving board that propels and launches us in to the pool of God's grace and glory. No, the gospel is the pool itself. And we must swim each day as believers in the gospel and teach others to swim as well. We must become gospel-saturated believers and churches because the gospel, because Christ is the only means by which we are accepted by God and able to approach him. Milton Vincent wrote in a handy little work titled A Gospel Primer that God did not give us his gospel just so we could embrace it and be converted. Actually, he offers it to us every day as a gift that keeps on giving to us everything we need for life and godliness. The wise believer, he says, learns this truth early and becomes proficient in extracting available benefits from the gospel each day. We extract these benefits by being absorbed in the gospel, speaking it to ourselves when necessary, and by daring to reckon it true in all we do. Today, we remind ourselves of the gospel Today we preach the gospel. Today we proclaim the word of the cross and the Lord's Supper. I know how we need to. How we need to recalibrate our souls to the gospel today. Let me share with you from our text this morning. Three results. Three results that can occur as we preach the gospel to ourselves today. As we proclaim his death in the Lord's Supper. First of all, it should help us to focus on Christ. It should help us to focus on Christ. In verses 10 through 17 of 1 Corinthians 1, the Apostle Paul points out that there were many cliques in the Corinthian church. There was division. There was separation. There was a fracture that was taking place And he tells them, there should be no divisions among you. You should be together in one mind, in one accord. And this unity that he calls them to is not found on who it was that perhaps baptized them or who it was that shared the gospel with them, but rather it's found in Christ. As we preach the gospel to ourselves today, as we remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus, it brings our focus back squarely to him. You see, we're prone many times, even in our spiritual journey, to want to become self-focused, to want to look inward, 
to want to be navel gazers, if you will. But the biblical pattern is not to be self-focused, but rather to be Savior-focused. The Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews 12 to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Well, my prayer for us today as we share in the supper is that we'll look to Jesus again. We'll fix our eyes upon him, the one who has established our faith and the one who is working to perfect our faith as well. Sinclair Ferguson has written well about this. He writes, the Christians who are most focused on their own spirituality may give the impression of being the most spiritual. But from the New Testament's point of view, those who have almost forgotten about their own spirituality because their focus is so exclusively on their union with Christ and what he has accomplished are those who are growing and exhibiting fruitfulness. Do you hear what he says? We need not look at ourselves today. We need not look at others today. We need today to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Focus on him. Today, as we hear the gospel in word, as we see it in symbol, fix your eyes on Jesus again. Focus on Christ. But secondly, as we prepare our hearts to share in communion, it's my prayer that we will grow in Christ as well. That we will grow in Christ. First Corinthians 1 18 is a foundational verse in my life as a pastor, as a preacher. Paul said, for the word of the cross, that's his shorthand expression for the gospel, the good news of Jesus, his life, his death, and resurrection. For the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing. That is, it makes no sense to a lost man. It makes no sense to the world. It's foolishness to them. Believe in a man who died. Believe in a man who who was a servant. Believe in a man who sacrificed. But to us, he says, to us, the gospel, those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Don't miss that. Far too often in the church, we think that the gospel is simply for sinners. But Paul reminds us here that the gospel is for saints as well. We need the gospel today as the people of God. He says the gospel, the preaching of the cross, it works in us who are being saved as the power of God. Paul is speaking here of our sanctification. He he speaks of our salvation in its middle tense, if you will. The New Testament describes our salvation in, in three ways. The Bible speaks of it in the past tense. That if we are a child of God today, we have been justified. We have been saved. This is that moment when we place faith in Christ. It's the moment of our conversion. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can say today that we have been saved if our faith is in Jesus. 
But we can also say that we will be saved. The Bible speaks of our salvation in a future aspect as well. That we will know the fullness of all that the gospel affords for us. We will know sin no more. We will know eternity with God in heaven. Paul writes about this in Romans 8.30. He says, those whom he called, he also justified. That's the past tense. And then he says, those whom he justified, he will also glorify. That's the future tense. And oh, how we long for that day to come. When we will see our Savior, we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But there's the present tense as well. This is what Paul means when he says we are being saved. That our salvation is being worked out in the here and now in our life. It's what we call our sanctification. Becoming what God has already declared you to be. But how does that happen? How do we grow in what we have become by trying harder by doing more no we grow by the gospel the gospel is the fuel that propels us in sanctification if you leave the gospel behind you'll leave spiritual growth behind as well john macarthur said the gospel isn't one class among many that you'll attend during your life as a christian the gospel is the whole building that all the classes take place in Rightly approached, all the topics you'll study and focus on as a believer will be offered to you within the walls of the glorious gospel. As we preach the gospel to ourselves today, as we remind ourselves of the gospel, it's my prayer that it will propel us in our spiritual journey, that it will lead us into growing into Christ's likeness. Why should I love him more? Why should I lay down my life more? Look at what he has done for you in the gospel today. Jerry Bridges taught me from this verse that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Martin Luther said it well. We must remind ourselves of the gospel every day because we forget the gospel every day. It wasn't by accident that Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember me. Come back and remember the gospel. As we preach the gospel, we focus on Christ, we grow in Christ. And then finally, in 1 Corinthians 1, as we preach the gospel today, may we boast in Christ. May we boast in Christ. Starting in verse 19, Paul extols the wisdom of God on display in redemption. He says to the world, it's folly, it's foolishness, it's useless, it's rubbish, it's nothing. He says, but there are none who can contend against it. He says, in fact, should the gospel simply be the foolishness of God, that foolishness is far greater than the wisdom of this world and man. He says, it's through the gospel, through the power of Christ at work toward us, that we have been called to Christ. We've been called to the family of God. We've been called to salvation in Jesus. And in him, Paul would say, we find righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 
And at the end of it all, in verse 31, Paul simply says, let your boast be in Christ only. Boast only in the Lord. It's amazing to me that we struggle so many times in getting ourselves out of the way. We, we think that we have done something, that we have achieved something, that, that we've passed others in a spiritual journey. But Paul here tells us we're only what we are and where we are because of what Christ has done for us. So he says, boast only in the Lord. Boast only in him. And oh, how much there is to boast in. In 1521, Ferdinand Magellan was in the process of leading the first ships to circumnavigate the globe. And on that journey, they were attempting to sound the depths of the central Pacific Ocean. He ordered the sailors on board to string together six lengthy lines and attach them to a cannonball. The ball was lowered over the ship's railing until the line ran out. 400 fathoms deep, or about 2,400 feet. At that moment, Magellan concluded that the ocean was immeasurably deep, literally unfathomable. He was almost right. At the place in the Pacific where he stopped to take that measurement, he would have probably needed as many as 50 such lines spliced together to reach the bottom. But it could happen. But when we come to the ocean of the gospel, when we come to the infinite riches of the good news of Jesus Christ, it's literally unfathomable. We'll never plumb the depths of all that God has done for us in his son. Paul would break forth in praise in Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Oh, today, as we preach the gospel to ourselves again, let us boast in Christ alone. Let us boast in the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God in the good news of his son. And let us rejoice completely and worship appropriately. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of your wisdom. The depths of your riches are beyond our comprehension today. But we're thankful that Christ is the power, the gospel, the word of the cross power by which we're saved and father we remind ourselves of that today forgive us for thinking that we can stand before you because of who we are 
things that we may accomplish or ministries that we may work in or even how we share the gospel or invite others to come to Christ. Father, all that we are and all that we have, all that we've been given, all that we will ever be is only by you. And it comes to us through the gospel of your son. And so today I pray, prepare our hearts, expand our souls that we may comprehend more the glories of the gospel. Let our eyes be fixed on Christ alone today. May we grow to be more like him. May our boast, may our boast be in nothing else but Jesus. Lord, I ask it today in his name. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing and prepare our hearts to share in the Lord's Supper.